Welcome to the Cornerstone Vineyard Weekly Message Podcast. We are enthusiastic about all ages pursuing, experiencing, and having an authentic relationship with Jesus, others, and our community. Join us as we open God's Word and seek His direction in our lives. Uh, if you want to grab a Bible, you can turn to Mark chapter 9. That's where we're going to land today. Mark chapter 9. Uh, so Matthew, Mark is the uh, second book of the New Testament. All right, if you didn't bring a Bible with you, there are Bibles spread throughout the auditorium. You can grab one of those. Or uh, you could go to sermons.church on a browser on your device. And if you search for Cornerstone Vineyard Church, all the scriptures and fill in the blanks and points will be there for you today. And to get us started today, I want to start with this. Um, you may or may not know this, but on Tuesdays, every Tuesday, I actually begin the process of uh, putting together each weekend's message. Every message that I do on Sunday, I start that process on Tuesdays. I sit down and I, and I uh, sit uh, with the text and I try to figure out what it's saying to us and what it could teach us and ultimately where we could go. And I essentially, at the, uh, by the end of the day Tuesday, when I'm done for the day, I kind of want to have a, a general outline of what I'm going to talk about each uh, each uh, Sunday, and then I work on that, kind of really do a lot, of, a lot of message prep on Wednesdays. Well, as a part of that Tuesday process, I begin to think about uh, what we call in the teaching world, uh, we call a hook, okay? And that essentially is the opening idea or thought to kind of get our attention. It's why we call it the hook, because hopefully it'll grab you, right, and pull you into the teaching for, uh, for, this, for each week. And so I'm just going to be really transparent with you. I literally had nothing this week, all right? I, I couldn't think of a single thing, and my brain was hurting a little bit. I had a, a little bit of a stress. Tuesday. And so, uh, so there were some people here at the church because we did an, uh, a worship thing on Tuesday night. And so they were kind of getting ready. And I, and I said, I came into the auditorium. They were back in the, uh, in the back of the booth there. And, and I said, hey guys, I need your brains because mine's not working. All right. So, and so I said, hey, I'm going to ask you a question. I just want you to respond with the first thing that comes to your mind. And the question that I asked them was this, what are some topics that no one wants to ever talk about, subjects that really everyone avoids discussing? And so I'm interested. I'm going to ask you the same thing this morning. What are some topics that no one ever wants to talk about, subjects that everyone avoids discussing? All right, what comes to your mind when I, when I ask that question? Politics. politics. Now, the reality is some really want to talk about politics. Matt does not want to talk about, okay. So what? 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 My Little Pony. Yeah, I don't want to talk about that. All right. <laughs> All right, what other ones? What other, other things? What? Hell. 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 Okay, yeah, that's a good one. Okay, yeah, so the LGBT community, stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so those are good answers, and I'll show you what some of them you kind of mentioned here too, but this is what they said. One of the first responses that the group told me was, uh, was pride, and I was like, oh, pride, yeah. Yeah, like, that makes sense, right? Because I don't know anybody that wants to go, hey, can I tell you where I'm prideful in my life? Nobody says that, right? So yeah, it's kind of an avoidance topic, those kind of things, right? Uh, another one that was mentioned was financial challenges, right? Most people don't really like talking about their finances with anybody, let alone if there's a financial challenge going on. So that's made sense to me. Other ones that they mentioned were past relationships, adultery, sex life. And I was like, yep, 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 right? And then the last one, I kind of laughed a little bit because I was like, yeah, if anybody wants to talk about this, we're going to pray for you after the service, right? Uh, so they said, they said, what about digestion issues? I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> Not at all, right? So, so the reality is, is like, as I was walking, I was like, oh, this is so great, right? Because uh, again, my brain wasn't working really well at that point. And so what they confirmed for me when I went, came to them and asked them this question is that there indeed are uh, some topics that most people don't want to talk about or rarely ever talk about, if, if ever talk about. And so I begin with that today because lucky us, folks, we are going to talk about one such topic today. Who's excited they came to church? 
Yeah. So we're going to talk about that today. And so uh, here's what we're going to do. I, I think that it's, it's a topic that often gets overlooked. Uh, it's a topic that gets avoided, often shoved under the rug. Um, and I'll just tell you straight up, it is not fun to talk about, but one that is crucial to talk about. Absolutely crucial to talk about. And so today, here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about, ready? We're going to talk about sin today. And now, I know when you go, okay, well, that's fine, because we're going to talk about the concept of sin. We're not going to talk about the concept of sin today, okay? Or you can say, okay, yeah, so we're going to talk about everyone, like the person sitting next to me, we're going to talk about their sin. How many of you know we do that pretty well? We're not going to talk about that either today. What we're going to talk about today is we're going to talk about your sin. We're going to talk about my sin, okay? And so a much harder topic when we're actually looking at ourselves, right? Now, who's excited they came to church today, right? All right? Again, though, I, I think this, uh, by the way, I, I, I do, I, I, I think this is a topic that often, uh, I was actually just talking to somebody outside after service. It's amazing to me how often we can live our lives so guarded and not talk about our sin when actually that's the worst thing that we could do, right? And so there's value to talking about sin and, and it's really crucial. And here's why, because uh, here's the truth, folks. There's not a single person in this room that doesn't deal with sin. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So that word all there is inclusive. It means all of us. Every single person in the room is dealing with this, right? And then the, the word fall there, by the way, it's not past tense. It is present tense, which means today, tomorrow, the next day, the next year. This is something we all do and will continue to deal with, right? So it affects all of us. 1 John 1.8 says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. No one escapes this stuff. And then the last one, 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. This is a problem for every single one of us because it's common to humans. Okay, we're born into this. And so I figure, right, why not talk about something that's, uh, why would we not talk about something that's universal? Actually, Tyler and Muncie a lot now were talking before service today and goes, hey, you know, Matt, you know, life would be really a whole lot easier for you if you just talk about the easy subjects and everybody would be happy. How many of you know Matt's not doing that? Right? right? And I do. I think I, think I could, I could, I could do, do that all day long, folks, but I, I want to see us grow up and do something and become a church way beyond that, that stuff. And so I think it's important for us to have this conversation. And because of uh, other verses like this, look at a couple other verses. Proverbs 28, 13 says, whoever conceals their sin, look at this, does not prosper. But the one who confesses and renounces them, look at this, finds mercy. That second half sounds way better to me than the first half. And then this next one, some of you are probably familiar with this. James 5, 16 says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And so those two verses speak of the value of talking about our stuff, talking about our junk, right, our sins, so that though they may be really hard to, to let somebody know and let them in on the information, all that kind of stuff, and it may bring some hurt and pain, the reality is it's better on the other side. All that stuff will be true, but it's way better over here than over here. So I think there's something to this whole thing. So I want you to hold that thought today. We are currently ending a series today that we've been in the last several weeks here at Cornerstone called The Red Stuff, exploring the exceptional words of Jesus, where we are looking at the actual words that were spoken by Jesus while he walked this earth, was doing ministry. If you have an older Bible, you might uh, see some red lettering in there in the Gospels in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and that's Jesus's words, the actual spoken words of Jesus. And so today, what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a look at what Jesus has to say with dealing with our sin, our stuff. Which, by the way, as we've been seeing in this whole series, there's some pretty pointed language from Jesus on this. 
And I think it's really crucial to, to think through and talk about. So with that, as we've been also doing in this series, for our reading of our text, we've actually been watching videos to do that. And so uh, take a look at this video, of Mark chapter 9, in our text today. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands and go to hell, where the fire never goes out. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell. So that's our text today. Tough kind of language there from Jesus in the midst of that. And so we're going to pick that apart today. So our title today is Exceptional Measures, Getting Serious with Sin. And what we're going to do in this topic today is that we're going to look at two keys from Jesus' words in that text uh, to doing just that, getting serious with sin, uh, talking about what I'm uh, calling exceptional measures uh, today. And uh, just so you know, we're going to look at a couple different versions of that text uh, throughout our time together as well today. So be prepared for that. So with that, I want to pause and pray, and then I'll give you a couple things to write down and think about if you would pray with me. So, oh God, we uh, ask that you would um, join us in this time of, of picking this scripture apart today, these words of Jesus, that you would make our hearts, our souls, our minds sticky, and supernatural things would stick to us. We would be more like Jesus as a result of our time together because we know that Jesus was sinless, and we need more of that in us. So do something great among us, not because of my efforts here today, but solely because of the efforts of the Holy Spirit among us. Thank you in advance for what you're going to do. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we have two points today. Here's your first one. You can write this in on your handout. Exceptional measures concerning sin include, number one, a willingness to look directly at it. You can fill that in. A willingness to look directly at it. Now, I know there are probably plenty of you here today that you uh, either know of or have heard our text for today. But as I studied these verses this week, I, I took notice of something that maybe uh, I have overlooked time and time again as I've read them and reread them. And, uh, and the thing that I think that I've, I've overlooked is the fact that, as probably most of you do, if you've read these verses, as we, as we read them, our main focus tends to go to the second half of each verse. When, when Jesus is kind of discussing the uh, implementation of considerable action towards sin. And, and, and our focus kind of goes there, which I think kind of makes sense, right? Because it's pretty uh, out there kind of language, once again, from Jesus, right? And so it's easy to kind of focus there. But I think if we only go and we focus at the, the second half of each of those verses, I think we miss a key element that is in them, uh, which is the importance of, of um, stepping in and getting serious about sin, is we got to do this first. We, we have to identify the what the why, the cause of our sin. If we only look at the second half, we'll miss the understanding of, of the what and the why. All right, take a look at a couple of the verses. It's clearly stated in verse, starting in verse 43, says, um, if your, look at this, hand causes you to sin, if your hand, right, underline that, right? And then it goes on, talks about the second half. Verse 45, if your foot causes you to sin, then it goes on, talks about what to do. 
Verse 47, and if your eye causes you to sin, and of course that goes on talking about plucking it out and all that kind of stuff. And, and so as I was studying this this week, I was really kind of focused on that, that, the hand and the foot and the eye. And I think that Jesus is indicating here that before action can be taken, folks, we gotta know the hand. We, we gotta know the foot. We gotta know what the eye is. We gotta know the what and the why, the cause of our sin. Otherwise, if we don't know the, what's causing it, then maybe there's action that we take and it may have no effect whatsoever because it's not even the cause. Does that make sense? So we, we, what, what I wanna get at in this point is this, basically is this, is that we, folks, we have to be willing to look at ourselves. If I can say it this way, look inside of ourselves Look directly at our sin, understand it really in order to have any chance to get serious about it and ultimately serious about dealing with our sinful stuff. I was actually uh, working on this and I thought, okay, well, that can, but then I was reminded of a, of, a, of, a, of a verse that Jesus also says in Matthew 23, 26. You might be familiar with this. It says, look at this. It says, first wash the inside of the cup and dish and then the outside will become clean too. And, and if you know the context of the scripture, this comment was made by Jesus to the Pharisees. They're kind of the religious people who, by the way, often did a lot of uh, religious stuff and activity to kind of make themselves seem like they were good but they often missed their very first step, which was looking on their insides. And by the way, uh, the Pharisees in the scripture are not uh, portrayed as really awesome people, right? And so the reality is they, they missed this first step. And you see, unlike the Pharisees, folks, we can't miss this very first step. The inside of us is so important. It is so important. If we don't look at it, um, it's like this, um, I thought about it like this. Uh, maybe this will help you. This is how my brain works. Um, bring up those pictures. Um, so this is the casserole dish. How many of you ever made a casserole? Right? Some people made a casserole, right? Uh, nobody made casserole? Come on, we're gonna have that. Okay, all right. So if you made a casserole, um, uh, if you've ever gone there after you've made a casserole and you've tried to clean the casserole dish, right? It's pretty challenging to clean a casserole dish, right? But if you do what first, it's a little easier. If you soak it right? There is a first step to cleaning the casserole dish, right? And, and, and so now I say this as like I have experience, but how many of you know in the Pormen house, I don't do the dishes. And so Leah, yeah, Elijah's like raising his hand, like mom does that, right? So this is all coming because Leah tells me this is how it is, right? Uh, but Leah tells, right? Oh, she tells me, right? Like when we do a casserole thing and she soaks the dish, it is a whole lot easier to clean the dish at the, at, uh, on the backside. Now you could, you could not clean the dish, right? You could, or soak the dish, right? And you could clean it all off. And by the way, you could probably accomplish that, but how many know it's gonna be a whole lot harder? Yep. It's gonna be a whole lot harder. So if we apply that, right, to, to our lives and this, like we have to know that we have a first step, right? We can, we can do a lot of activity in this life. Like you can come to church, you can read your Bible, you can pray, all this. And by the way, that's all good stuff. But if you don't look on the inside of yourself, you're gonna miss something and it's gonna be a whole lot harder. Does that make sense? And so what I wanna talk about in this point is that we folks, we have to look at the depth of our sin inside of us. We have to be willing to look directly at it and look at the depth of it if we wanna have any chance of not having to work so darn hard at cleaning the dish. Because the scripture, right? Go back to that scripture for me, Deacon, would you? Matthew 20, right? First wash the inside and then the outside will become clean. That, that's what we gotta do. We gotta look on the inside. I think so many times in our lives, at least it does in my life. I think, we, um, I think we can do certain things or go after things, maybe try to fix things in our lives and, and um, we don't actually even understand why it all came up in the first place and what's going on on the inside. And so case in point was for me a couple of Mondays ago, 
Some of you guys know this, but Mondays are our Sabbath day. So uh, Lee and I are off for the day. We usually go out to breakfast and we kind of lay around and, and spend some time with God and all those kind of things. And then in the evening time, we usually have dinner. And then after dinner, we do a little worship and some family devotion time. We read the Bible together. We pray to, together, all those kind of things. And so uh, a couple of Mondays ago, um, our schedule got, got a little messed up. And so that we ate dinner and there were some things that had to get run and got to get done. And so we were already a little bit behind from our normal schedule. And, uh, and so this particular evening, as we, uh, as we began to worship as a family, uh, some worship songs that I had prepared for us to do on my guitar, um, during the first song, and this was like just when we started out, since apparently uh, you don't now, you, you, can, uh, you only hit puberty at like 80 or something, I don't really know, but I actually sang this note uh, to say that it was really bad as an understatement. And, uh, and so I... Uh, uh, I don't claim to be a great singer. Just ask our worship leader, Kim Carpenter. She laughs every time I sing, all right? And so I don't claim to be a great singer. And this happens pretty frequently where I'll try to sing in our family devotions and things will be off and all those kind of things. But this particular note, man, it brought up some really interesting looks on the faces of my family, all right? Uh, it was pretty bad. And, and so then this is where things kind of get a little sideways. Uh, I, uh, I, I st was still playing the guitar and I looked over guitar and I looked over at my family and I saw their faces and at that point I did this and I'm not proud of this is I stood up and said okay we're done and I walked into the next room put my guitar away sat down on the couch that's in that room turned on the television slammed the door and that was it I know first service somebody was like pastor Matt did that <laughs> by the way I'm not perfect okay I think it's important for you to know um to at that point, uh, again, things were a little awkward. My family was like, what in the world just happened? Okay. Leah comes into the room where I'm at, uh, my wife, and she says, what is going on? To at that point, we got into a, another moment, another squabble at that point about the complexities of our schedules and, and, and scheduling and why are we doing stuff on Mondays and all those kind of things. And for, things went either further sideways. Can I just say that was not a great evening to say the least? Definitely not the devotions that we have had or we wanted in our family. But I tell you all of that to tell you what happened next. About 15 minutes after all that happened, I started to kind of replay the situation in my mind and, and tried to understand like, why did I, because I honestly didn't really even understand why I was so upset. And so I started to process that and started to pray and kind of, and kind of let God into the process and kind of understand the why behind the whole situation. Does anybody want to know, uh, take a guess of why I, uh, the whole thing happened? Yeah, because of my pride. My pride got hurt. And so because my pride got hurt, right, I flew off the handle with my family, right? And then I, at, at that point, I go, oh, I realized that I gave full vent to my anger. By the way, my sin to my family. And at that point, I, 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 I went up, and it was interesting because I went up to Leah, and, and she was, I mean, I love my wife because she's that whole, like, uh, she will... Uh, not say things, she lets me know I need to kind of take some time or whatever, and so she's angrily folding laundry. <laughs> and I walk in and I said, hey, I just realized why that all happened, and I need to, I need to apologize to you and, and confess the fact that I, I was just prideful in that moment. Because I had, what, what you don't know about the story is that when they were out doing some shopping, different things, I had spent an hour preparing what we were gonna do for worship. Okay, again, I'm not, I know I'm not a great singer, all that kind of stuff, but I had spent some time that normally I don't have to prepare that. And so when, they, when those faces came on my family, that my pride was just shot at that point. 
And so I apologized to Leah. I apologized to my family. They, they apologized to me uh, for those, those looks and those kind of things. But, and so I tell you that whole story because the key in that whole thing and what got us to the place of health again was I had to look inside of me. I had to understand what was going on inside of me, right? And, and so I think there's keys to, to this idea, folks. If we want to have a grip on sin, if we, if we don't want to deal with the stuff, we got to know what's going on. We got to look inside. Now, and, and I know, right, the reality is, is that those, that's a pretty safe example, right, of sin, right? Like, oh, Matt got a little angry with his family, right? But can I tell you, I think that whole concept applies to every bit of sin, any sin, right? So I, I made a list of things. Maybe, um, I think, I think we have to identify the why and the what, right? So here's the list, right? So maybe for you, you're like me, and often you deal with anger. Um, uh, that may be your what, but I would ask you to consider today and, and, and every day, like, why? If that's your what, then, then why, right? Are, do you, what's going on inside of you? I, that's what I had to find out during that time. I had to figure out what was going on inside of me. Are you stressed? Do you need to cut something out of your life so that you cannot be angry? Do, another question, like, um, was your dad always angry with you? Like the reality, those are great questions to consider. You gotta understand what's going on inside of you when you're lashing out. Because if you don't understand this, you can do all the Bible reading you want, but you're still gonna be an angry person. Um, maybe for you, a couple other examples. Maybe for you, you love to, you're a person that talks and gossips or critical about people. Again, maybe that's your what today. Um, but I would ask you Why? Why is it that you find yourself over and over and over, by the way, gossip is sin, being critical about people is sin, okay? Why do you find yourself in that place? Why, why do we find us, ourselves there? Is there something that you feel inadequate in your own life that you are then trying to mask by picking, about, uh, picking out on other people? Maybe for you, it's overindulgence of alcohol or substances or food. Again, I would, that might be your what, but what I would ask you is why? Why do you go to the bottle? Why do you go to the other substances? Why do you go to food? Is there a hurt in your life by the way, I've been there. Is there hurt in your life that you're trying to mask the hurt and pain that you have in your life by going to those substances or that food or that whatever? It's important to figure out the why. Um, are you engaging sexually with someone who's not your spouse? By the way, that is a what? Our culture's not uh, saying that that's a what? That is a sin, okay? If you're engaging with somebody who, uh, sexually who's not your spouse, I would, I would say this again, what's, why are you doing that? Why do you continue to go to sexual sin? Is it because it feels good? By the way, that's temporary. Maybe for some of you in the room, you can't stop looking at pornography. And I would ask you again, why? Why can't you stop looking at pornography? Is it because you're addicted to the desire or the, the, the things that you wish you had? I would say those are not so safe examples of sin. But can I tell you, as I was putting this together, I think the Lord kind of spoke to me and said, there's probably statistically every one of those is represented in this room. And so we got to understand the why. I think there's something to this here, folks. Exceptional measures concerning our sin includes a willingness to look directly at our stuff on the inside. What is going on in here? This week I was got to this point in my master's prep, and I began to think about a story in John chapter 4. If you want to write that in your margins on your hand, you can write that in John chapter 4. You can read this whole text on your way, on your own time this week. But it's a story between Jesus and a woman at a well. 
And uh, it's interesting because they have this conversation. They just happen to meet each other this well. And, and they have this interaction where uh, Jesus, they, they talk about water and that Jesus kind of reveals that he's the Messiah and he's the savior of the world. And that really like she needs him more than she needs anything else. And there's all this stuff going on uh, in the midst of it. Uh, and it's a great interaction. Just read it on your own time. But it's interesting because smack dab in the middle of the conversation. And this is the reason I thought about it this week is Jesus kind of uh, inserts like almost out of the blue, a part of the conversation where he essentially calls this woman out, essentially telling her to look directly at what she is doing, looking at her sin. Okay, I want you to read, I want to read it to you in John chapter 4, starting in verse 13. It says, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said, sir, give me this water so that I can, I won't get thirsty and have have to keep coming here to draw water. And then this is where Jesus kind of throws this in, kind of like somewhat out of the blue, right? He says, he told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you, have, when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. And then it's interesting because then, like it's weird because then like they, that's, that's all it's said. And then they start going back to talk about the kingdom of God and, and all this kind of stuff. It's a quite interesting story. Again, read it on your own time. But I started thinking about it this week because Jesus was kind of like, hey, listen, we could talk about water. We could talk about the kingdom of God. But we're, if you don't look at your sin, if you don't look at your stuff, then you're going to miss it. Can I tell you that's, that's significant? In the midst of this whole dialogue about water and kingdom of God, whatever, Jesus says, hey, you got to look at your stuff. And then kind of goes on from there. I think there's some significance in this story from Jesus, folks, for our lives. We have to look at our stuff. So with that in mind, I think a good question for us to ask is this. You can write this in on your hand up. This is, ask us this every day we should be asking, how bluntly am I looking for and at the sin in my life? How bluntly am I looking for and at the sin in my life? if you put yourself in the well with the, like where the woman is, I think Jesus would tell us folks like, hey, he would, he would, by the way, he's smart enough to know what our stuff is, right? He would say, hey, do this. And we'd go, oh, we'd, some of us might do it like she did to like, try to like mask it like it was no big deal, right? And just go, nah, you, you, what you said is quite true, right? And he would essentially be telling us, hey, Matt, how bluntly are you looking at your life? And I would say that to us, like how bluntly are we looking at our life and the sin that's in our life? I think that's a good question. Essentially, what mechanisms, checks and balances do we have in place? Maybe accountability, counseling, mentorship. Do we have to look directly at our, essentially who's calling you out? I, I have a couple people in my life that I do that. And I'll tell you, I actually was just talking about my hand service. There was something going on in my life this week that I was like, oop, some of you know, uh, pastor, oh, he's no longer our pastor, which is sad. But Josh, Right, Josh Simpson, my friend, right? He was just here for service. I meet with Josh every Wednesday at 6 a.m. And, and there was something going on in my life this week that I'm like, oh, I'm gonna have to tell Josh that. And, and so this accountability thing is really helpful, right? And, and Josh has the ability to call me out. I've given him the ability to call me out because I want to look bluntly at my sin. By the way, I'm not gonna be the best leader that I'm gonna be if I don't look bluntly at my sin. You're not gonna be the best person you can be if you don't look bluntly at your sin. 
If we're gonna have any chance of overcoming this and not being mastered by our sin, folks, we gotta be real with our stuff. And I think, by the way, our, our culture is getting really weird of what sin and not sin. By the way, the Bible is very clear what is sin. All right, so that's the first thing. Acceptance measures concerning sin include a willingness to look directly at it. Second point, I'm gonna hit this uh, pretty quickly because I think it kind of makes sense. All right, exceptional measures concerning sin include doing extreme things to stop it. And no, that is not Doug Southworth. Kind of looks like him. Just a little bit. All right, so this is the second part of the text that I alluded to just a little bit ago in point one, right? This is the, this is the idea where Jesus throws out some of these serious implementations of pretty extreme action against sin, okay? Starts in verse 43. It says, if your hand causes you, sin, causes you to sin, here it is, cut it off. It is better to enter life with only one hand than to go into unquenchable fires of hell with two hands. Verse 45. If your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better to enter eternal life with only one foot than to be thrown into hell with two feet. And then verse 47. And if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. It is better to enter the kingdom of God with only one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell. Can I just say that's some pretty intense advice from Jesus. That's intense. Cut it off. Cut it off, gouge it out, right? Some serious, serious advice from Jesus, but uh, some of you guys know this, but I'm kind of an all-in kind of guy, so honestly, when I read that stuff, when, when this kind of scripture from Jesus, I'm like, ooh, I kind of like that. I kind of, uh, some of you know, like, I can go to extremes on some things. You may know me a little bit. My kids know that about me. I can go to, and so I kind of like the radical things. I like doing some radical things, and so for me, I'm like, ooh, I, I think this is really good, because here's what, we, here's what I know, and some of you know this, folks. If we are going to get serious about sin, if we are going to actually have a chance to not be mastered by our sin, we got to get extreme. We have to get radical. And I think this is what Jesus is saying here because here's what Jesus knows as he's, as he's saying this, uh, these words in this text is that he knows the truth about sin. And the truth about sin is that it entangles us. There's actually scripture that says that it entangles us. And as we get entangled, can I say that it gets really tricky to get untied with the knots that we're in? You can get untied but man, we get, in, we get in the midst of sin, it gets really tricky sometimes to get out of the knots that we've made for ourselves. And so Jesus says, cut it off, gouge it out, take some extreme measures, stop, essentially, stop trying to get as close to sin without sinning. Can I tell you we're living in that right now? And so I thought about it like this, go with me for this. Um, some of you guys know I'm kind of, I love coffee, right? And so I've got my cup of coffee here. And so this is what I thought this week. I was thinking about a way to illustrate this. And so um, say for me, uh, for me, all right, it's, it's actually not a sin, okay? But say that drinking coffee for me was a sin, okay? That was a sin for me. Um, and, and like sin does, it's negatively affecting my life, okay? And so I want to avoid coffee. I want to avoid this sin. How many of you know that having a warm, delicious cup of coffee sitting right in front of me is not going to be helpful for me. You know that, right? Like to have, to have the sitting in front of me is not helpful, right? Which you go, okay. But how many of you know that oftentimes when we deal with our sin, we can go, okay, well, I'm just going to put it over here then. Only a few steps away. How many of you know that, that even though it's only a few steps away, that is not all that helpful for me? That's still going to be a challenge for me because I can still see it. And so, you know what would be most helpful? This is what would be most helpful.
Oh, I got coffee splashed on me. <laughs> now, don't worry. I'm going to pick that up later. Okay. Some people first service were like, man, I can't even focus anymore after that. I got to go get that thing. Right. Can I just tell you, like, I did that illustration because I think that's what Jesus is talking about here. I think sometimes it's just sitting in front of us and then we just go, put it over here. That's not helpful. He's saying, cut it off. Gouge it out. Get rid of it. Because how many, like, it, all, the, all the, 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 the coffee flew out of that cup when I threw it. That sin is gone. I think if we want to be really serious, by the way, I want to be a church that's really serious about sin. If we want to get really serious about getting close to Jesus, we've got to get extreme and radical with our stuff. And so I made a list. Maybe for you, go back to our list of things. Um, if it's gossip, like if, so, if gossip is a thing that you continue to go to, the sin that you continue to go back to, uh, maybe, maybe you need to... Um, consider the fact that there's one person that maybe you get together with and the only thing you ever do is talk about other people. Maybe you need to not be their friend anymore. By the way, that happened and Lee and I were just talking about this, the message this week and uh, she was reminded of somebody a few years ago that she goes, man, I, I can't hang out with that person anymore because every time we get together, all we do is talk about other people. And so she got radical and said, hey, I love them. I care for them a ton, but I can't, I, I can't be, I can't do that anymore. Thought about this one. Uh, again, uh, I put myself here. Maybe it's anger like, like me. Um, I thought it was interesting to say, you know, what if, what if the extreme thing would be with anger that you decide like, okay, hey, I'm gonna take 60 seconds. By the way, 60 seconds is not that long, right? But it's just long enough that if, if you take 60 seconds before you respond to anything, what would, what would your life be like if you and I would actually take 60 seconds before we respond to anything? Can I, can I be honest, if it was for me, I think I'd probably say more things that I should say and probably avoid things that I shouldn't, yep. right? Now, again, you go, okay, well, Matt, that's not really that extreme because, yeah, you're probably not gonna do it, whatever. Here's the extreme part. What if you actually tell everybody that is close to you that they have permission to actually say this to you? Take your 60. What if that's the only thing they've gotta say? Like, I'm just looking at my daughter, Abby. If Abby said to me at home, she said, hey, Dad, take your 60. I don't know. Like, I almost want to do this. I, I want to do this. I might actually do this because I think it would be really helpful for me to not be the angry guy if somebody who I love says, hey, Dad, will you take your 60? That'd be really helpful. And my guess is I would probably be less angry at Abby and Elijah and Eden and Leah and other people in my life because I would take 60 seconds and let the Holy Spirit actually speak to my life. So maybe that's a radical approach you could take. Maybe if it's for you, it's alcohol. Maybe, uh, maybe the extreme thing you decide to do is that you're not even gonna walk anywhere close to the aisle where alcohol is stored at Walmart. Like you're gonna avoid it like the plague, right? You're not even gonna go down that section. And so yeah, you're gonna go, gosh, now I've gotta order and, uh, chips from the, the, the online store because I can't go near the aisle and all kind of stuff. Extreme, yes, but how, how many of you know that that will be helpful? Or maybe for you, the other extreme thing, if it's alcohol, is to say, you know, if there's a party, if there's a family thing, even if it's a family thing, and there's alcohol being served there, you're not going. Will it interrupt your life? Yep. But it will also help you avoid sin? Oh, yeah. If it's sexual sin, maybe you decide to never be alone with uh, an individual of the opposite sex alone. 
If you keep going back to sexual sin, maybe you go, hey, I'm gonna cut it off, right? And I'm not, I'm not gonna do this anymore. I'm not gonna be with anybody of the opposite sex alone. Because here's, how many of you know that if you're in a, in a public place or you're with more with one person, likely you're not doing sexual sin? If you are, that's weird. Okay? That sin is gone. If you struggle with lust and pornography, maybe you don't actually have a smartphone. You know they actually don't, they make phones that are not smartphones. I actually know a couple of people that don't have a smartphone for this purpose. Or, or maybe, maybe if you do have a smartphone, maybe you actually give that a permission to somebody that you care about and cares about you to say that they have a password protection on your phone and you can't even download anything unless they put the password in. I know a couple of people that do that. Or maybe it's at your home internet and, and, and that's the problem. You know, there's a lot of protection that you can put on your internet at home. I know that might sound extreme, but can I tell you again, if we're, gonna, if we're gonna have a chance of keeping us far from sin, again, not getting so close to sin without sinning, we need to run from sin. Those extreme things will help us run from sin, folks. I think what happens so much is that what we do in this life, when we see sin, like sometimes we don't even recognize it, but once we recognize it, I think we, all we do is just put the coffee cup over here, and I think we gotta stop just moving the coffee cup. We gotta get extreme. Cut it off, gouge it out. So I don't know what that means for you in particular, but I think you do. I think you know. I, I think you, you, you probably already know the thing in your head that you need to probably do that with. And so do that. And here's another reason why to do that. Um, Abby, you can go and come. Um, Nathaniel, if you want to come up. We're going to get ready to worship in a minute. But as we do, I want to share a couple last scriptures with you guys. Mark 14, 38. It says, keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. And this is what I want to highlight. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. The, the, folks, here's the truth, is that we, we can have some willpower here and there. But that scripture tells us that in the, in the long run, we're weak. And, it, and it's, not, it's actually a strength to admit that we're weak. We've got to cut it off, gouge it out, James 4, 7. But if you do not do what is right, look at this, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. We've got to get serious about it. We, we can't just move the coffee cup over a few feet away. We've got to chuck it out the door. So the question for us today, and this will be another fill in the blank for you. You can fill this in is this. We'll close with this. What radical thing am I going to do today to avoid sin tomorrow? I was challenged by that question this week in my own life. Like, what radical thing? Because I think sometimes I can get really complacent with, how many of you know that, um, one, we like sin because we like sin. We're attracted to sin. And then we can get really like calloused to what actually is wrong. So there are certain things in my life I was like, well, I kind of like that and I don't really want to focus on that. But this was a challenge for me to say, I need to get radical again. And so I did this first service. I wasn't planning on doing it, but I, uh, I think it's really important to do. Uh, the radical thing that I'm choosing to do today is that I'm giving you, everyone here, the permission to ask me to take my 60. You have the permission to tell Matt, Matt, take your 60 because I want to get extreme about not being the angry guy that my dad was always to me. 
I know that's not honoring to God. So by the way, we're all church family. And so I, I want you to call me out. And part of that is, again, I wasn't planning on that this morning until it kind of came up for service. And we're going to pray in a minute. And I think some of that is so that we can be honest with each other and open with each other about our stuff and be willing to call each other out when we need to. Because that's what families do. That's what families do. So call me out. Say, Matt, take your 60. Hopefully I won't tackle you. All right? I won't do that. I think these are, this is a valuable question for us with, with Jesus' words here today. So that's our second point. Exceptional measures concerning sin truly does include doing extreme things to stop it. Why don't you stand? And we're going to move into a time of prayer today. And as the worship team comes, I'm just going to pray over us this morning uh, in regards to this topic. So if you would just close your eyes and bow your heads and we'll just pray. So, oh God, we come to you today. And we ask God for your amazing spirit to do things inside of us. God, that we would be a people, a church, individuals that get serious about sin, so ultimately we, God, would be the pure, spotless bride that you so desire us to be for you. God, that we would be willing, more than willing, to look bluntly at and uh, and for the sin in our life. And beyond that, not just look at it, but we identify the why and the what of it, but ultimately, God, that we would do some extreme radical things today to avoid those crazy, not awesome sins tomorrow. Help us, God. Help us be a people that wants to is willing to look at our sin more than, more than indulge in our sin so that we can live the life that you ultimately desire for us. And, and ultimately, God, we desire for ourselves too. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So here's what we're going to do to close today. We're going to sing a song. And as we sing the song today, uh, I'm actually gonna have the prayer crew available to pray for you. So if you're on the prayer crew today, would you line up along the, the, the sidewall? Uh, if you're a staff member in the room, I'd love for you to do that as well. Um, and so here's, here's the prayer opportunity today. Um, the whole second point was about doing extreme things. And so maybe for some of you today, your first extreme step is to confess your sin to someone else. By the way, that's an extreme step. But that might be what you need to do today. Remember, remind you of James chapter 5, verse 16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So confess your sins to each other, and these guys will pray for you, right? And ultimately, you might experience some healing. And so I don't know for you if that is, hey, I, I tend to fall into gossip, and, and, and that's a confession of that, and, and, and they'll pray for you. Uh, I don't know if it's uh, anger stuff. I don't know if it's an, an alcohol addiction or, or pornography addiction. I, I don't know if it's, you're in an adulterous affair. By the way, if you're in an adulterous affair, you ought to go confess that to somebody. But, if you, but I, here's what I know about the scripture is that confession is a key to being healed. And as we confess to another human, right, then we're going to pray and confess it to God. There's amazing things supernatural that God can do in your life. But here's what I also know. As I also know, like moments like these, people are going to go, 
well, if I walk up and have somebody pray for me, then everybody gets to know that I have sin. By the way, we all do. And now I don't, I don't think that you have to tell everybody of the prayer crew like all the details, but, but I, I had a couple of people come up to me and, and, and say that they, that they um, deal with anger stuff, people pleasing. But if, if it can be any of those things. You don't have to tell us like, hey, I, I, I deal with, I deal with uh, uh, drunkenness. I, tell them that. That's all you have to say, right? And then they'll pray for you. But whatever it is, I, I, my hope is, I was praying for this all week this week, is that ultimately somebody would leave here with more freedom than they can. And what I know is that a confession is that key. Okay? So as we sing, uh, the prayer crew is going to be available, and they'll just pray for you. Just come up, and, and don't, let, don't let the resistance that the enemy might put in you to not come up to not be a reason to move. Okay? If you need to come up, come up. Okay, let me pray for you. So, Lord, I pray, God, if there are people here today that they have something going on, God, it could be, it could be something that uh, they've dealt with for years, like anger or gossip and those kind of things. God, it could be somewhere uh, in the middle of all that. Maybe, maybe it's something like the drunkenness or, or lustful things or, or those kinds of things. Or, um, God, maybe even if there, there may even be somebody here today that, that isn't an adulterous spirit and needs to confess that today. Wherever they are, God, I pray that you give them the fortitude to move and let somebody pray for them. And you would be in the prayers that the prayer team is going to pray that life change would happen because of your spirit among us today. Move in this room, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're going to sing. If you already know you need to go over here and pray, you can start moving now, okay? Um, and we're going to sing the song. And as we sing, you're welcome to come forward and then we'll uh, end our service today. Thanks for joining us this week. We pray that you are challenged and blessed by this message and that you find application for it in your life as God leads you through this week. For more information about us, please visit our website at cornerstonevineyard.church.